welcome to the 15-minute juice, where we discuss physical therapy, rehabilitation, return to sport after injury, training, and all things fitness, while also answering burning daily questions, broach the juiciest weekly topics, and educate the masses on the proper algorithm for optimizing their lifestyle. It's fast, it's concise, it's informative, it's juicy. Buy Optimizers Masszymes, 100% plant-based, naturally derived, best digestive enzyme blend out there right now. Highly concentrated with enzymes that digest proteins, starches, sugars, fibers, and fats. Helps to relieve indigestion, gas, bloating, and fatigue after meals. Take it with the meals to enhance the digestion and nutrient absorption. Also helps to improve recovery after hard exercise and hard efforts. So go to buyoptimizers.com and use code JUICY for 10% off. Good afternoon, Mike. Welcome to another episode of the 15-Minute Juice. Um, got a new question for you, and uh, it goes like this. Has anyone had difficulty extending their leg after ACL surgery? Any advice would be helpful. My daughter bends 120 degrees after three weeks post-op, but we're having little success extending the leg. Please fill us in, Mike, on what advice or hints or tips we can give this mother who uh, asked this question. Well, I'd just be curious as to obviously what they're doing first to try to get extension, what they're given at home. <clears throat> um, you know, you. I mean, it depends, you know, I shouldn't say anything about weight bearing. So, I mean, there's some things that get left out of these questions. So yeah, right. there's obviously open kinetic chain and closed kinetic chain. So let's just assume that she's able to do both, you know, uh, the open kinetic chain, you know, you obviously have the uh, standard where you uh, long sitting and prop your heel up and you try to, you know, self push the knee down and then try to hold it there, get some activation of that extension. There's, um, you know, other exercises where the, you know, the legs could be up on a Swiss ball and they have to press the one leg in while raising the other one and then alternate or even like a Swiss ball bridge just to get some activation and pushing down to extension, some posterior chain. Um, there's one I really like, excuse me, where it's on uh, prone and they're basically like on like a prone plank position, but their hips aren't off the table. They're just lying down, toes dug into the table, and they have to try to extend the knee uh, up against gravity, up to the ceiling, and yep. try to push that up. Uh, so prone knee extension. Um, you know, there's the classic standing, you know, with the TheraBand behind the knee and straightening the leg, the terminal knee extension. But you do it in a split stance position because that will uh, correlate to the gait pattern, especially that terminal stance phase is where a lot of them lack that terminal knee extension. And sometimes it's not even because the knee is really tight, you know, you'll see that happen going down the line where the knee moves, but it's just a motor control and like a habit. They get used to like this little limp. So that's why restoring normal gait pattern early on is, is good. But sometimes they still tend to, 
do it, especially when they've been walking around all day and they get tired. And this is like even a couple months than the therapy. Uh, but the non-operative leg will be forward in a slight bend. And then, you know, the rear leg will be back with the heel down and the band will be around the knee. And they have to try to straighten that knee against, yeah, against the band while holding the front knee in a slight bend position, get that split stance, terminal knee extension. That's a really good one to do at home, you know, um, because it's functional, it translates into what they'll be doing with walking, you know, and just do lots of reps, just kind of, you know, do it, hold, do it, hold. Sometimes I do like 25 reps, you know, for four sets. Um, you know, so trying to do some of those type of exercises, uh, you know, and then you have, you know, the seat leg extensions and things to, you know, obviously activate quad, you know, in open kinetic chain positions there. Um, but really, you know, that's barring that there's no issues. If, if they're really having a hard time, you know, a therapist should be able to pick up on that to see when they're pushing on the knee, is there like this, this bouncy end feel or like this, this, it's like empty, like you can't hit an end point and they're in a lot of pain and it just doesn't feel right. Like it doesn't sink in, like it kind of restricts. There could be something like what we've seen in our clinic. You have a cyclops lesion where the scar tissue that builds around where that um, ACL graft is kind of tunneled through. And then that kind of like bolus of scar tissue limits the, uh, you know, the femur from, from moving or the tibia from moving on the femur. And so it kind of like bounces back or sometimes, you know, like the one after we had, had like a bony prominence, like a calcification or something in there. So it was like a bone hitting onto the other bone. So it was just jamming and it just, a lot of pain wasn't responding, you know, so. Uh, I was going to say, yeah. that we shared a, uh, a patient that was in that very similar, different, different mother asking the question, uh, but a patient that we shared, she had gone through, um, you know, some PT prior to seeing you. And um, then when she came to me, I was like, nah, this this is outside my lane. This needs to go back to you. Mm -hmm. You spent, I don't know, how many weeks were you with her before they ended up deciding they had to go back in for a revision? Well, we had, we had to try to do it. Um, I forgot how many weeks it was. I mean, it was definitely like a good, you know, well – it was a good amount of time. It might've been like maybe four to six weeks because we were trying conservatively. She did make progress, but it also was because, you know, she had bad PT beforehand. It was negligent on addressing what she needed to be done. That's a whole different story. And then, you know, she was on her own and she also was one not to do much of exercises at home. So we had to see is this just lack of proper, you know, being adjusted properly. And then, you know, we referred her to a different surgeon and she tried to be a little more conservative with it. The last thing you want to do is go in and cause she already had multiple uh, surgeries. You know, that's, that's a different story with that, but uh, I didn't want to go in again. So we tried the conservative route and it just wasn't getting to that end. So finally she did another image and then she's like, it's really hard to see. I'm going to go in there and scope it and see. And that's where they found the bony prominence, you know, but uh, a lot of the things we like to do. There could be several things that are limiting this, this, 17 year old girl that we asked the question about there could be some other things there what would be i mean you said bony prominent prominence uh there could be scar tissue there what could be some other things that maybe are limiting that extension uh i mean definitely the you know the cyclops lesions so the scar tissue and the bony prominence are usually like the red flag things but um there's just lack of doing enough exercise you know there could be hamstring guarding um, you know, some of that, uh, you know, some of that just like pain, fear avoidance, 
you know, there's a lot of other, other things. So that, you know, there's all these exercises that are available, but you have to kind of start them off with some confidence building, some easy, simple things to work with, you know, especially if they're non weight bearing, some of the options might be limited. So you have to do, um, open kinetic chain. And the one, you know, that I really like is it's a supine. It's called a long, uh, load, uh, low load, long duration stretch. So it's a low load applied over a long period of time. So they'll be either sitting on a chair with their foot propped up on another chair at the same height. And you put uh, a TheraBand, something that has some elastic ability around either the top of above the kneecap or, or below. For the one girl, we were doing both on each side and a weight hangs from it and it just slowly sags it down to extension. We like the supine method a little bit better because it's just a natural ability for them to see their knee straighten down and it's harder for them to, to guard against it. It's harder for them to bend their knee up than it is to let it sink down into extension because right. a lot of the stretches right. you do, you're pushing down. Then if they're on their stomach and the old way was having them hang like a weight or, you know, some people say a backpack off like, you know, the, the uh, edge of the heel, but then you see they, they compensate and they, they pop the hip up or they arch their back and their back starts to spasm or they're fighting it with the hamstring. And it's just, extremely uncomfortable for them and it's not that it's it's they're not even getting to the extension range they're kind of getting to that part where they feel the stretch and they're fighting it at least in the supine position it's allowing the weight to sink it in so they're getting past those ranges where the, the prone one we just find a lot of guarding and frustration and you know right. other things are kicking in and it's just it's not it's not great there's, there's other ways to do it and there's sometimes that pressure on top of the knee yeah, so we find that the supine methods worked a lot better. So that's one that you could do at home while they're watching TV or on their phone, you know. Uh, and that's obviously safe to do, you know, even if they are not weight bearing. Right. And she is, I, I believe I said she's about three weeks post-op, right? So, I mean, the, the uh, extension that she's getting at 120 degrees, is that good? You mean flexion? I'm sorry. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. I think, I think 120 is really great for, uh, you know, for, um, three weeks also depends on, you know, how big is this athlete? What's her, you know, soft tissue approximation, you know, what her calf hits her hamstring. Is this a bigger girl, you know, bigger thighs, you know, um, what's her normal quad extensibility, you know, um, and then, you know, looking at that too, like, that that's a good range. And then knowing that over that's three weeks, knowing over the next like eight, six to eight months is going to gradually improve to get that heel to butt. You don't have to really push to actually want to overstretch the graft and aggravate things. You know, it's also important too, that she's able to do that mobility herself where she can stand and, you know, kick her heel to her butt naturally, not just that passive, you know, passive, you know, a stretch without any control. So right. I think that the flexion is pretty demonstrate good. Demonstrate that flexion by herself and get to yeah. that 120 plus yeah same thing with the with the extension so once we let's let's progress this athlete through once we've gotten a little bit more extension from her um what are we looking at as a as a number or a degree that is um is good for the next the next step. I mean, what, what degree of extension are we looking for in the athlete? 
we want to get that to at least be equal to the other side, whatever the other side demonstrates. So if they get hyperextension or, you know, saw a lot of these kids now are very hypermobile. So you literally have them lying down you just, you know, hold their femur down and you put your hand under their heel and you lift it up. And it looks like the knee bends the opposite way, like a little V. They get like five to 10 degrees of hyperextension. Okay. That's just how they are. You'd like to get that mobility back. There's nothing really abnormal about it. It's just a lot. There's a lot more laxity in kids now. I know Greg Cook was talking about that, one of his courses. Um, it's just the way, and you're seeing it more in males too. You know, so they're going to have that hypermobility, but obviously going forward to the process, we're trying to teach them how to learn how to control. Like don't be so reliant on those end ranges for stability, like understand where a point of stability is. And that just comes with strength training, you know, and sometimes some of them, you know, at a younger age, 13, 14, they start growing. When they do strength training that early, their body essentially like tightens up a little bit that hypermobility isn't so excessive. You know, they have a little bit more controls. That's why the, the, the weight training is important because it teaches them control of a joint that they just naturally snap back and forth. You see in the elbows, the wrists, the shoulders. So I look to try to get the same hyperextension and then that way they have, uh, you know, a symmetry that they can work on uh, restoring control with, you know, being, you know, and work on that stability. So that's what I would look for. And, you know, also making sure that even if you if you passively stretch it and you move it and it feels equal to the other side, can they also demonstrate the ability to move that knee in functional positions? You know, when they're standing on one leg, they still stand when it's slightly bent. You know, are they favoring it when they walk? There's just some habits you have to break them out of. Uh, so is it a motor control or is there still something that's like really tight in there? Right. So uh, like if they're having... Um... If they're if they're having guarding going on there, obviously their their mechanisms and, and the way they're walking, they're guarding against that. So you're going to see it an athlete walking around with a little bit of uh, a degree of flexion in that knee, right? Because they just don't yeah. Want yeah, and you want to get that extension because your body naturally just like has a screw hole mechanism where your leg just locks into extension. I mean, think about it when you stand and if you're standing with that knee slightly bent, that's going to put a lot of stress on the quad. The quad will get fatigued because it's always activating that puts stress on the patella, the patella tendon, because there's always a light force there. It's always pulling. Then you're going to start getting patella tendon issues, stress on the joint. you say people start getting that anterior knee pain because they're walking around with that knee slightly bent, even just a five degree little bend you know, is enough to do that. So they're obviously not able to run and jump until that gets, that gets cleaned up. Now, based off of your experience, do you see issues more with extension when the patella graft is done or the hamstring graft? Um, or the quad, we might as well throw the quad in there too. I mean, yeah. have you seen any, I mean, would you see it more in a hamstring? because you're guarding against that more i mean or it doesn't I mean, I mean that probably could be we're seeing a lot of the patella tendon just because of the age population you know and, and you know they're looking at the patella tendon a lot for these kids that are going to get back to you know running cutting pivoting you know hamstring would be a little bit different of a population that's not going to be so heavily involved in getting back to running cutting pivoting you know and then even with the quad i'm not seeing much difference between the quad and the uh, and the patella tendon, I just didn't do notice some of them, you know, report some of that numbness and some of that discomfort with the quad scar, especially when they're bending and really loading that that tissue. But that's because 
you know, the tissues remodeling and there's so, only so much, you know, we do the, a lot of the hands-on, the grass and the taping, a lot of the, you know, uh, gliding with the skin when, when they are moving and bending with, there's some things when they're like going into a split squat or a lunge, they feel some of that. And that's because all that skin is being activated under stress and it just hasn't been, even when you're doing like active releases and stuff to that area, there's something different about when they're exercising under fatigue, they feel some of that. And that's just the body being accustomed to that. I mean, you know, they were cut open. So a lot of that just, you know, it takes time to kind of fall into that. So you will see some of that with the quad tendon. Um, and then, uh, you know, the patella tendon, I mean, I think not seeing so much uh, with that. Um, but yeah, we are seeing a lot of the quad and patella tendon, you know, not so much of the hamstring in our population. But I just think it comes down to just trying to do whatever you can to address that soft tissue, you know, the hands-on, the mobilization, taping techniques, you know, teaching them to manage it at home. So all that stuff is moving nicely. I think a lot of that will limit that because no matter where the scars are and any injury, anytime I address that with a patient, they move better. They have, they have less limitations, hands, shoulders, elbows. You have to move that tissue. Otherwise it gets like literally matted down and restricted and it causes, causes issues. I mean, it's part of the part of it. You can't overlook a, a scar, you know? So um, there are places that, you know, barely touch people's scars, you know, I say, yeah, they did a little bit of that. doesn't count. I mean, I'm doing this for like, you know, weeks on end, you know, a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there, and just continue to mobilize it, especially as range improves, you know? I quote me if I'm wrong, but I thought I read uh, something before about the thickness of a hamstring and a, and a quad graft. Could that affect the extension as well because of the thickness. And so I, I believe what I read was more with the hamstring because of, of the, the, the tendon that you're using there. Uh, once it starts to get that blood flow, sometimes that will start to thicken so much that maybe it, it reduces that limitation. Could that be true? They were talking about that. I think that was a, uh, a podcast of Reinhold and Lenny. Um, and I don't know exactly a neuroplasty or a neuro. What was it? Um, a notchplasty. Yeah, yeah. They were they were talking about that in terms of the thickness of the graphs and can that be limiting? Um, I don't think there was anything conclusive because it would have stuck out to me unless I'm just overthinking it. But um, I mean that yeah, that could be something there. But then again, you know that's something that you would have to you know to communicate. You know the surgeon you know makes a, a decision on what would be the best style so you know when they're doing these these type of surgeries you know they obviously want to make sure that you know the angle of the tunnel that they drill it through and and the precision of that is good so they don't have those issues but um that you know that would obviously be a great question to ask some of the surgeons that we're looking to bring on in our in our current episodes you know we could even bring on dr sewards again and ask them that but even some of these uh some of the rothman physicians are looking to bring on um and ask them what they think about that you know at, does that come into play because there's a lot of things that they are looking at now with the graft type in terms of ways to make it heal better, you know, less invasive things can stuff, you know, heal on its own. But, you know, again, you know, none of that is going to overshadow the fact that you need the, the proper biomechanics because just because a part heals better, you have to, you have to stabilize the control. So stress doesn't go on to that. I'll tell you what, <clears throat> I think we nailed that one right on. It's about a 15 minute <laughs> so I hope that uh, the the mother who asked that question, I will send this out to her and then hopefully um, 
This will give her a better peace of mind, give her an idea of A, some exercises to be doing at home, maybe B, some things that you could be asking the, the physical therapist that you're currently working with. But either way, I think it's a, it's a pretty good answer to uh, the question that was posed. And um, we'll be back again very shortly with another question from a parent uh, or an athlete. So I think we're going to get a little bit more diligent about that, too. Um, if you have questions that you want us to bring up on the show, hit us up. You know, you can just send them to sportsrehabpa at gmail.com. I'll sift through them and then we'll pull them up and we'll, and we'll put them on here and we'll ask Dr. Mike the questions and, and we'll debate them. You know, this is, this is what it's about. It's about getting the education out to the parents, the athletes and the coaches for that matter. So um, once again, I want to thank you for your time and uh, you have yourself a great weekend. All right. You too. Talk to you soon. Bye.